a major obstacle to working together is that we don't share the same language. Dialogue here is is absolutely critical to to this you know joint venture working. Welcome to Solar Spotlight, the podcast from the Society for Learning Analytics Research Solar. In this podcast series, we have conversations with guest speakers to engage the wider community with leading research, practice, and key issues in learning analytics. I'm Ishan Tsai from Monash University, the host for this show. A few years ago, an article published by Professor John Gasserich and others reminded us not to forget that learning analytics is about learning. Over the years, the caution remains relevant. Every now and then, we still see work that has weak support of learning theories or unclear implications for learning benefits. It is important for anyone using learning analytics or conducting research in the field to think about the connections between learning and analytics. Today, we are going to explore the intersection of learning analytics and learning sciences. I'm joined by two special guests, Associate Professor Jason Lodge from the University of Queensland and Professor Nancy Lo from the University of Hong Kong. Both Jason and Nancy are very active members in both the learning analytics and learning science communities. We're extremely lucky to have both of them here today. I'll let them tell us a bit more about themselves and their current research focus. I'm Nancy Law. I'm a professor uh, at the Faculty of Education, the University of Hong Kong. Uh, I've been very much involved in um, studying learning and how learning is being supported. And my perspective has always been also that we should be leveraging, you know, the potential uh, benefits of technology into the learning process. But then, of course, it's not just, um, you know, the technology. So, um, so I've been interested in both learning at the classroom, designing learning at the classroom level, as well as at the institutional level. How do you get change, you know, being implemented or innovation being implemented in the classroom level? And one of the sort of innovations that I've been working on is getting teachers to think of themselves as learning designers and to also think of um, learning analytics as tools for them to understand, you know, how students learn and also uh, whether their learning design works and in what ways they can be improved. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for the, the opportunity to have a chat today. So in my lab group, we look at uh, learning predominantly in digital environments and predominantly with adults. However, we do do some work, uh, particularly in secondary education settings. And we're really interested in how students make judgments about how they're progressing in their learning and then what decisions they make on the basis of those judgments. So uh, a lot of our work centers around the idea of self-regulated learning um, and particularly in, in online and digital mediated environments. Awesome. We are extremely lucky to have both of you today. To start today's conversation, I wanted to start with this question. What does learning mean to you? So uh, I, I have a psych psychological science background. Uh, so I tend to think about learning from that perspective. For me, it really is about a developmental process. 
um, that takes, you know, predominantly we're talking about people here, but of course, you know, other organisms learn as well. But it is that process of, you know, developing our thinking or our way of interacting with the world. Um, there's lots of different ways that people have obviously conceptualized what learning is. But for me, I, I try to think about it as this developmental process and change over time that might lead to different ways of thinking or ways of being in the world. Well, my view is very similar to Jason's. And for me, learning means change. So how do people change is, of course, a very core part of it. And so how do we change? Actually, the neural connections change, the way we behavior change, and the way we, we think about things change. But I think another part of learning that I, the view of learning that I'm holding may not be uh, very generally held by other people is that I see learning not only as an individual thing, but groups learn, organizations learn, and the learning we tend to think, uh, I mean, initially, I tend to think that, you know, people, when they change, it's, you know, what all happens in the brain. But in fact, it's not just all happen in the brain. Say, for example, learning to run, you know, your muscles change, your neural systems change, your communication change, I mean, within your body, even your lungs and your heart change. So when, say, a school or a classroom change, in fact, it needs a lot of associated change in the organization, the infrastructure, the uh, how people work together and so on. So, so to me, learning is a very complex process, you know, involving different organisms, different parts within the organism and also outside the organism. So that's what makes learning so exciting. And that's also why we need learning analytics to you know, to help us with the process. Yeah, I think we all agree that learning is a very complex phenomenon. Given that today we are discussing the intersection between learning analytics and learning sciences, just for uh, the sake of our audience who are not very familiar with learning sciences, I was wondering if uh, you could give us some introduction and overview of learning sciences as a field? Well, this is a very big question. For me, learning sciences is a very wide field. And so um, we mean, I mean, I don't see we have a space to give an overview, but I would just like to give my own personal perspectives on, you know, some of the um, areas of research within the learning sciences that has particular um, you know, relevance to learning analytics. First of all, as I said before, how people learn. When we talk about how people learn, what's really of most interest is where the, the learning, learning itself is difficult, right? It could be conceptual, it could be other things. And of course, um, with um, now when people are talking about so-called 21st century um, learning or you know how people need to be working then how people learn together how people work together how people address open-ended questions together so it's the more the cognitive learning or cognitive science part um, could be of relevance but also say computer supported collaborative learning is another area which is very much sort of um, involved and um, now with all the new technologies, then learning using uh, in different modes or communication, different modes is also, um, you know, very relevant. 
So maybe Jason, you 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 obviously would be able to um, supplement much more. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great answer, Nancy. I'm not sure that I could uh, <laughs> I could um, add to what you said, but what I what I think might be useful is to at least give my a personal perspective of how I see the learning sciences relative to what is what is my core identity, which um, is what my PhD was in, and that was in psychological science. So we have a certain way of seeing things and what methodologies and you know certain ways of approaching um, aspects of learning within that area that are fairly niche. And the relationship that I see between that is that I can also see myself as a learning scientist in that that as an area allows me to push and collaborate beyond the kind of core training that I've received as a psychological scientist. So the, the, the ability to be able to cooperate with others, think about methodologies beyond those that I was initially trained in towards a common purpose of trying to understand and enhance learning. I think that's where I personally see the, the identity as a psychological scientist relative to a learning scientist. Um, and I think it opens up a whole range of new opportunities for thinking about things from different perspectives, which I think is amazing. And I think what is interesting also is that, you know, as um, Jason just um, discussed, I mean, we have these different labels, say psychological sciences, learning sciences. An important way to help us to understand is that we are now realizing that learning is so important and so pervasive and also it's so complex that we need, you know, multiple uh, methods and multiple perspectives to understand it better. And so, so I think there's a, a much stronger appreciation that we need to be interdisciplinary. And so even say, I think both the learning sciences and the learning analytics fields see themselves as a interdisciplinary. And we do see people with different um, backgrounds working in it, but also at the same time, see that they, they are appreciating and reaching out and connecting with different communities. Yeah, absolutely. Both the learning analytics field and learning sciences field are um, extremely interdisciplinary and people in the two fields um, approach learning um, a little bit differently. I was wondering how your research or teaching integrates um, approaches or theories in the two fields? Well, that's a tricky question. Uh, <laughs> so I think in a similar way to, I think, the way that learning sciences sort of extends on the core identity you know, where I, where I started from. In my mind, I see learning analytics in a similar sort of way in that it provides opportunities for a sort of common ground where there are groups of us who may not necessarily have found common ground otherwise to be able to work together on a common problem, you know, using a set of, of techniques that perhaps weren't available or were very difficult in the past. For example, I think about some of the collaborations that I've had with, you know, people who are from a sort of much more hard computer science end of the spectrum. And I think, you know, whether you want to call learning analytics a discipline in itself, or whether you see it as something else as a field, and whether we want to argue about those, I think regardless of that, it has provided an opportunity for this kind of interdisciplinary interaction where we can learn from each other and, and progress our thinking collectively about, you know, how learning works, how we can, you know, measure it, infer it, and potentially help students to learn more effectively over, over a longer period. So that to me is where I can see some of the interaction of these things. And these things always tend to be quite difficult because we do come from very different kind of identities, if you like, initially, which means that we have certain ways of seeing the world that may not necessarily align with each other. Yeah, I totally agree with Jason in that, you know, how we 
um, sort of come to this sort of interface between learning analytics and learning um, sciences really reflects very much where we came from, which I think is also how uh, I think this uh, arena, this sort of interface is very exciting. For me, um, my, I started as uh, a science teacher. Um, I wanted to be a good science teacher. And then I, I then realized that I need to understand how people learn rather than understanding how I should teach because I mean, learning is more primary. And then of course, joining the faculty education was giving me an, um, an opportunity to actually work with a much wider range of um, people. My main interest has been with K to 12 education. How do I help teachers to work together and learn with them and learn from them how we can you know, help learners more? Also working on how can we design better learning environments and learning experiences. And also to actually, I mean, there's so much that we, we know in the learning sciences about how people learn, but how do you operationalize them into you know, usable knowledge that people can actually take and put in place right away? That, I think that's the main challenge. So that's how I come into the learning sciences. And I have a very strong interest in designing tools for learning design. To me, also, how do people learn best is in getting good feedback, good quality feedback. And so learning analytics to me is how we can get the feedback. And if that is the case, then I always complain about, I mean, I'm, I'm always complaining, so don't worry. But to me, learning analytics hasn't actually addressed the design considerations or design um, intentions of the learning designers. And so part of my work has been to work with the learning analytics people to see whether we can develop um, tools and systems that can provide what I would call learning design aware learning analytics. So that's one of my aspirations at this point in time. That's great. Thank you, Nancy. We all complain. Academics <laughs> all complain, not just you. <laughs> yeah, so we have talked about um, collaborations a lot as well and, and the fact that both fields are very interdisciplinary actually place us in a privileged position to, you know, just access researchers coming from various backgrounds and collaborate with them. We, we may approach research differently and we approach learning differently um, in terms of our understanding of learning, how we uh, research into learning. In your own collaborative experience with others, have you had any experiences of like clashes? So just take myself as an example. Um, when I when I joined the field, I my background was purely qualitative. And then I learned about how computer scientists approach research is very different from how I'm trained to approach research. So there's a lot of learning for me. But over the time, I, I started to be able to appreciate that it's the same world that we are trying to understand, but we are taking different angle to understand it. And both are valuable. 
I really enjoy that process of collaborating with people coming from very different backgrounds, with very different kinds of research training. And, and somehow when we work together, we can explore more than when I do it alone. Um, so that's something I really enjoy. So I was wondering, in your own experience, have you also encountered any kind of like conflicts or maybe not necessarily conflicts, but differences? And how has that changed you as a researcher, the way you do research, the way you explore learning? I do have a really good example of this. And Nancy was in, involved in, in some of this work as well. So I was part of a national science of learning research center here in Australia. And the point of that center was to bring people from a diverse range of disciplines together to think about learning and, and enhancing education. And that included some people who had a, a learning analytics background. So there was an element of their of that within the, the center. And I think there were quite a few clashes in there. And a lot of it really came down to the ways in which people were thinking about some fundamental ideas. So for example, if somebody who has a very strong kind of neuroscience-y type background has a very different notion of what feedback means to somebody who's working in learning analytics or who's working in a classroom context. And as long as you've got those kind of fundamental differences in understanding some of the core concepts that we're trying to work with, until those are resolved, that becomes a real roadblock for, for, for collaboration. And I think something that unfortunately happens alongside that is that, um, and I was as guilty of this as anybody else, you don't have an awareness of the depth of work that has been done on what you think you understand from your discipline. Again, feedback's a really good example here. So I might understand that from the point of view of a psychological scientist, but I have less of an idea about what that means to a, a computer scientist or to, to somebody who's working in a, you know, a, an educational applied type of environment. So I think similar to you, Yishan, over time, what I've realized is that I need to have a little bit more what, what I kind of think of as epistemic modesty, that yes, there's a huge amount of work that comes from the kinds of discipline areas that I'm more familiar with. There is equally a, an enormous body of work behind most of the things that other people bring to the equation from their discipline areas and their ways of seeing the world. So rather than trying to say, well, you know, our way of doing things is best and you should listen to us, I'd try and take as much of that on board. And then we work together to try and figure out what is the best way of understanding this problem um, based on what we understand collectively the question to be that we're trying to answer. And then rather than saying, I've got this approach and this approach is going to solve everything, let's look at the problem here and work together to figure out how we might progress that. And that has been so much more fruitful. It's been amazing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with Jason on this. And a major obstacle to working together is that we don't share the same language. If the language is not in the in the way, okay, we, we both uh, speak English. That's, I mean, that's not the point. We use the same word, but the word mean different things. And of course, we also have different words in our own vocabulary, which is so strange to the other field. So, so to even be able to talk to each other is a challenge. So we may be seeing the same problem at a very sort of service level. We know that the students is not learning. We want to help. We, we agree with that. But then how do we see the challenges or how do we analyze the situation also is different. 
And one experience I had, I mean, just to share in terms of it's really, uh, I've been working with colleagues at the University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong. They do the learning analytics part and I do more the learning um, design part. So in a way, we started to say, okay, yeah, that's nice. I mean, we have complementary um, expertise and we work together, we bid for funding, we got the funding, hooray. So then we work together. But then the problem is, it's not easy to, to communicate and it, it took a lot of time. But I think we also need, as Jason pointed out, we need to respect each other and trust each other and be humble enough to say, okay, I don't understand it now uh, exactly, but we just give some room to the other side. So I work a bit more on my part and I try to explain more and then they on their part also have to be patient with us. So we each have to be patient. As computer scientists, they, they have solutions or they create solutions. They want people to use them. And so if we can't use them, they feel very upset. Now for us, we have problems and then we want solutions. But oftentimes we may not find a solution to be real solutions and, and so on. So, so it's also the openness to, to communicate. So finally, I could say, well, after years of working together, we can find tools that we can use. And also those tools are, I mean, the way we see how we can understand how technology may work would not be at the same level that they know. And so, so I think the, the benefit doesn't emerge right away, but I think over time, we should be able to arrive there. Mm, yeah. So openness to communication, I guess this, we can say this is definitely one of the core interdisciplinary skills that we, <laughs> we need to develop. So thinking about the two fields, learning sciences and learning analytics, there's certainly some overlap, um, but also a lot of differences. So I was wondering if you could share with us how the two fields may grow together through collaborations. Okay, so we were talking more about, you know, at the personal or community level, um, the kind of attitude and um, sorts of social, you know, openness and intellectual openness to working together. But I think, you know, to go deeper, I would say we need to develop some common language to talk about things. And also, I think there needs to be some kind of taxonomy to work on. I, I've actually been working on that and I published a paper in the Journal of Learning Analytics um, on a taxonomy which can connect learning design with learning analytics. I think that the problem with the language is not just the communication across two different fields, but in fact, even within, say, for example, um, the learning sciences, we talk about design a lot. But when we talk about, say, learning design or pedagogy, what do we mean by pedagogy? We mean very different things, and they are all correct in some sense. So, so group work, PBL, or outcome-based learning, or pair work. I mean, these are all, or say, blended learning, hybrid mode. I mean, so these are all related to learning design, but they are actually looking at learning design from very different angles and perspectives, and they're all relevant. But how do they connect together? 
that's what I've been trying to do in terms of developing a language and a tool for learning design. And also uh, by extrapolation, because I wanted to have learning analytics, which is sort of what I call learning design aware. And if it's design aware, then there needs to be some connection between, so what the designers questions are targeting at or want to have um, feedback on, and then what are the learning analytics tools that can be addressing those. So the same tool can be addressing different kinds of questions, but for us, I mean, as a user, it's difficult. So I think, you know, some way of connecting the two, we need to have a formal language to do it. So say, for example, if we talk about the learning analytics, if I want to solve the problem of say, for example, are my students collaborating well? Okay, very simple question. Well, you can say, what kind of analytics can we use? Well, you can use social network, you can use, um, you know, different network indexes and so on. But these are very technical. So can we have these kinds of tools, which would be sort of like index? So if I'm a teacher, can I say if this, if I have uh, a group work and if I have a question related to group collaboration, can, can the platform suggest to me what kind of tools and ana analysis can be available? And also, it's not just the two, but also how do you visualize the, um, you know, the analytical results and how do you interpret that? I mean, if, if I think about learning analytics, um, how has it been impacting learning? I think very little. It has been impacting much more the kind of institutional uh, administration and management. Yeah, I get your point here. For learning analytics to be more impactful, we need to have that common language that connects to the real world practice of teachers. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a bit of a theme emerging here, but I, I'm in furious agreement with Nancy that a common language is, is absolutely critical to this. What I would add is that I think, um, and again, this goes back to a point that, that Nancy made earlier, is that I think we need to be careful about some of the assumptions that we might make um, when we have those conversations with each other, um, I think the number of times I've seen sort of very bold claims made about, you know, nobody's ever looked at this particular aspect of memory before, for example, when, you know, there's 70 years of research on that. It's just that people are not actually familiar yes. with it. So dialogue here is is absolutely critical to, to this, you know, joint venture working. Um, so, you know, the more we can talk and the more we can test each other's assumptions and understand those assumptions, I think the, the further we can get towards developing that common language and, and figuring out how to, how to work together. And it certainly, you know, it's from my experience, I think that is, that is enormously beneficial, but sometimes it can take a while to find that space where we know how to communicate because we have very technical, in each of our discipline areas, we have very technical ways of, of understanding things and talking about those things. And some of those things can be, um, you know, very technical or jargon type language and that can be really hard to pass if you're coming from a different way of seeing the world. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I guess the key is back to the point Nancy uh, raised earlier, be open to communicate and listen and be patient. Yeah. So hopefully we'll all find that common language before too long. 
Yeah, thank you both. That has been a very fascinating conversation. So at the end of our podcast, we uh, always play a game with our guests to choose an ally. Uh, so what we do is we invite our speakers to share three statements about themselves. And among the three, one would be a lie. Um, and we would also like to invite our audience to guess the statement, which one is a lie, and tweet about it using hashtag Solar Spotlight on Twitter. And the answer will be announced in the next episode. So in our last episode, Shemya Karumbaya and Renee Kuzelchek talked to us on the topic of bias. So what were the lies they told? So I have backpacked alone in 10 countries so far. I learned how to ride a bike when I was six years old, and I have two cats. My last name is Polish. My first job was developing websites for people. My undergraduate degree is in philosophy. Well, I do have two cats, Jojo and Kenji. Well, the lie is that I learned how to ride the bike actually thrice as old as Six years. So I was 18 when I first learned how to ride a bike. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. My last name is actually Turkish. Cool. It sounds Slavic. Yeah, it sounds Eastern uh, European. It does, exactly. Yeah. But but it's actually Turkish. Kazil is the Turkish word for red, the color red. Ah, cool. Now let's hear some interesting facts about Nancy and Jason. Nancy, would you like to go first? Okay, that's fine. First of all, I like to read cookbooks, particularly cookbooks um, designed for children, because they are fascinating in terms of how they try to induct someone who has no idea, well, very little idea, can't say no, because they must have been watching their parents or other people cook, but then um, that's fascinating. So that's what I like. Okay. Uh, another thing I like is to see how um, spicy hot recipes differ in how they control for different flavor and excitement. The, set, the third thing I like is when I um, go and have meals, I like to enjoy different cuisines. And I like to also think about whether, you know, in the way they cook, do they actually bring in ingredients or ways of preparation, whatever, from the other um, sorts of um, cuisines, not exactly what they claim to be? So that's, these are my three statements. Okay. They're all about food. Yes, so what yes. tells us at least one thing about Nancy is you must be a foodie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jason, right. how about yours? First statement. I was contracted to play for the Sydney Swans in the Australian Football League, but never managed to play a game. Second one, I am a trade qualified chef. Third one, I was offered the job of managing all of the accounts and the cash for the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) For any of these to be true, it's wow. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you so much. That was a fascinating conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to this podcast on the intersection of learning analytics and learning sciences. My name is Ishan Tsai. 
and I have been talking with Jason Lodge and Nancy Lodge today. If you would like to continue the conversation, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag Solar Spotlight or post comments at our podcast channel on SoundCloud. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast, which is available through both iTunes and Spotify. The 13th International Conference on Learning Analytics and Knowledge, LAC23, will be held on the 13th to 17th of March on campus and hybrid at the University of Texas at Arlington. The theme is Toward Trustworthy Learning Analytics. The deadline for research paper submission is on the 3rd of October 2022. Please visit the conference website for more information. Thank you again for being with us today. Until next time.